0: now 2.30 on uh, Tisha B'Av afternoon, and uh, I would like to uh, begin my presentation. Um, I'd like to thank the CJF very much for uh, hosting, and not only hosting my presentation, but so many others today that I hope you took advantage of. I'd like to thank Rabbi Yaakov Glasser, who's the dean of CJF, for creating the context in which so much of the good that we do takes place. And I also want to thank Menachem Lewin very much for technically making sure that everything is going to proceed properly uh, and appropriately uh, for uh, these presentations already today and uh, further on today. I want to thank uh, Dr. Avi and Shuli Rakoff and family for sponsoring my presentation. They have been doing so for many, many years. Uh, They're uh, great people, a wonderful family, and... uh, uh, we're very grateful to them. Uh, I also want to devote my shir on this uh, Tisha B'Av afternoon. Nishmas, our, uh, 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 our beloved sister-in-law, Aviva Basarav Yaakov, and our beloved Mechuten, Yisrael Yaakov Ben-Rabdov Uzlata, who passed away from COVID uh, during the course of uh, even more than this uh, past year. Uh, we remember them and we miss them, and... Uh, we're still very shaken by their passing. And finally, I want uh, my shir to be a refus uh, shalema for uh, our beloved cousin, Debbie Gvir. Uh, we join her family. We are part of her family and friends. And we must follow for a refus shalema for her. Uh, I'd like to uh, pose three questions and uh, provide an answer, uh, one answer that will address all three questions, more or less, and want to uh, apply it to the situation in which we're finding ourselves, maybe generally, and to which uh, I myself, uh, within which I myself am am finding myself maybe uh, more particularly. Uh, I hope you all have a copy of the handout Uh, I prepared a a sheet. You'll find it on the same page where you clicked in. There's a right next to join the the meeting. There's a place to download the the handout. So please make sure you do that. You know that I always uh, don't just simply lecture to you, but we learn together. So I want to begin with probably the most famous or certainly one of the most famous Gemara's uh, thank you, Menachem, for putting it on the chat. Thank you. Uh, probably one of the most famous Gemaras that have to do with Chor based Beis HaMegdash uh, in general, and that's at the end of Masachas Makos. So there are two stories here. We generally focus on the second story, but I want to begin with the first and then proceed to the second. On uh Makos Chofdal for we're on the first page. Look far away, Rabbi ben Azaria, Rabbi Yosua, Rabbi Akiva, Mahalchim b'Derekh. They're walking; these great, uh, illustrious rabbis. So they hear the sounds Shel Romi mi Paltah, uh, ve'Rechok Meav ve'Eshre Mil. So they hear the sounds Kol Hamula Shel Romi, the sounds of crowds from Rome, uh, from a plaza at a distance of 120 mil. So they're quite far from uh, Rome. Uh, We don't know exactly uh, how far so far. We'll see the Medrash gives us a little bit more information. But they're walking somewhere, somewhere. And from 120 mil away, they hear noises. And obviously, it's a very, very long distance. And the noise must have been just incredibly loud to be able to uh, traverse uh, such a long distance. And the sound uh, sounds like sounds of jubilation and joy and and mohuliet and mahutskiet and everybody's having a great time. And vheschilu uh, bochim. And the rabbis start to cry. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva smiling. Clearly, the 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 operative question here is why is he smiling? And he responds vatem so why are you crying? Really On that's pretty obvious why we're crying, but they frame it the following way. Um, that uh, these uh, Gentiles, these heathens who uh, worship idols and who burn incense to idolatry, they're having a great time. Everything is wonderful. Um, everything's great. But, but we, Nebuch, the Beis Hamikdash, is destroyed, so we shouldn't uh, cry. Of course we're going to cry. You know, they are idol uh, the worshippers, and there's, uh, everything is fine, and we are suffering. If, those who violate God's will can live comfortably at least for some period of time then those of us who follow God's will will certainly get a great reward will certainly be able to live comfortably so he makes a callheimer from what he sees with these uh with this sound with these people that if they're having a good time saying, imagine what kind of a good time we're gonna have. Now they're on the way to Yerushalayim. so we're even already here. We have a little more uh, context where they are. And the first Gemara, the Gemara just says They're walking somewhere. Here they're they're going up to Yerushalayim. so we know exactly where Haratzophim is—Mount Scopus. opposite. This is the famous gemara. They saw a fox walking out of the area of the kodesh kodashim. It's Hein bochin. There be akiva. You notice in the miserus It's not mezachek, but mesachek. It's the same laughing, uh, amar the same smiling. Amar lomet neimah zachek. Why are you smiling? Why are you? Uh, smiling? Why are you uh, projecting some kind of a positive reaction to this. So again, the same repartee Posig says, says Hazara yumas. Should, before I should point out that that's not mentioned specifically with the Kodesh Kadoshim. There are other Pesukim that refer specifically to the Kodesh Kadoshim, It refers to the Harabais, Hazar Akarev, if, if somebody who's not appropriate walks in when they shouldn't be walking in, then they death penalty. So obviously it's a very holy place. And now you're telling me, and now we see that uh, Fox could just mm-hmm. volgezuch around in such a holy place and we're not going to cry. <speaking in Spanish> So there are two, two uh, prophets, two holy people, who are mentioned together in this Pasek. And what does one have to do with the other? After all, they lived at different times. And the Gemara continues that Uriah uh, prophesied something very negative, Tzion, Sodha, it will be uprooted. And Zechariah prophesied something very, very wonderful, something positive. So why are they together, even though they both lived in different times? But one depends on the other. Until the first one, the negative one, uh, you know, on, on steroids, you know, it's, and now the animals are walking around on the Harabayas until that one, was neska'im? Uh, I was worried that ha'isim misyari shalot neska'im nevo'aso shal zacharia. Maybe the positive won't, won't happen. But achshav sheneska'imah nevo'aso shal uria bi'aduah shenvo'aso shal zacharia neska'imah. Now that the bad one happened, I know for sure the good one is going to happen. The lashon zeh amruloh akiva lichamtano akiva lichamtano akiva. You have comforted us. So I want to pose, uh, three questions. Uh, the first primary question is, I don't understand Rabbi Akiva at all. Are you trying to tell me Rabbi Akiva didn't feel that there was, an uh, obligation to, to mourn? They're crying. They're mourning. And, uh, he, uh, he, uh, is misachek. But what do you mean? The Beisamektosh was destroyed. I don't care what message you want to extract, but, uh, how could you not, uh, how could you not uh, mourn? The Shah says in his commentary, "The uh, Vade Gam Rabbi Akiva mode de hit al Abayis." Rabbi also says you have to mourn. So w- w- what's this contrast? They're crying and he is misachik. Well, shouldn't he also be with them? And and in addition, if you look at the Gemara and the, the fourth line right here on the Amidays, on the Gemara actually tells us that when they got to Harat Zofim big dehem, they all talk kriya. Rabbi Kiva also taught kriya, so he did hear kriya. So what's Misachek? What's going on here? And the last question is, what's the double akiva nihamtanu? Akiva nihamtanu. What's what's the uh, what's the double? Turn to page two. Uh, you find uh, a medrash that is very very similar in medrash Echa. Uh, in, uh, the end on this passage on al-harziyan uh, sheshameim we find this, uh, medrash that basically tells us the same story. It's a little bit, uh, detail, uh, difference, but basically, essentially the story is the same. And I wanted you, uh, to see the story there as well. I'm not, I don't have time to, uh, work through, uh, the entire text, but it's basically, basically the same. So question number one is, uh, on both the uh, the Gemara and the Medrash, you'll see at the Medrash show at the end, all the way at the end, they say to him, may you find comfort when Mashiach comes. So you'll notice there, there is no double. So in the Gemara, I'm going to ask, why is it but that's not, the double is not found in the Medrash. But the other questions apply. Uh, question is, um, uh, you didn't uh, didn't feel uh, the avelos, and also, um, what do you mean that the Navu of Zachariah was contingent on the Navuya of, of Urya? What does Rabbi Akiva say? Until uh, Urya came along, and we see that his prophecy was fulfilled, I was worried that the prophecy of Zachariah would not be fulfilled. So now, oh Baruch Hashem, the Nevoah of Uriah, the negative came. So now I'm good to go. I know that the positive will come. What, what are you talking about? Zecharyah was a Navi. You're trying to tell me that his prophecy is contingent upon something else? If he said, "Is Odyesh oh, was the was the uh, in Yerushalayim that 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 uh, men and women, old men and old women, are going to sit. That the city of Yerushalayim is going to be populated. That's not going to happen. Of course, it's going to happen. Since when is one prophecy?" contingent upon another prophecy. So these are the questions that I want to ask in the context of this first uh, story. Makos, Chavdalid, and Medrash uh, Echa My second question, similar question, comes from another text. If you look on the left side in the middle of page two, so there is another Medrish. This Medrish is earlier on in the first Perik in Echa. So the Medrish says, Uvda, there was a story, the end of the uh, first line of the uh, paragraph, there was a person who was plowing. So he's in a field and he's plowing. So one of his oxen begins to groan. It's a very odd, strange medrash. So he's plowing and he's plowing, he's got oxen, and then one of the oxen begins to, uh, to groan, to emit noises. That moment of our Aloy Chad Aravi, an Arab, an Arab passes by, a Gentile passes by and hears, Amrlay Ma'at. And he says to the person, Who are you? What, what, what are you? Amrale So he answers the Aravi, I'm a Jew. So the Aravi says to him, Shri torah, unharness your ox, Ushri padnah, and unharness your plough. Lama, why? Why should I do it? the base, de because your temple was just destroyed. So this is far away from the base of Mikdash, somewhere in Eretz Yisrael, I'm assuming. And uh, this Arab, when he hears the, the, the ox groan, tells the Jew, you have to stop mourning now. Stop your work. You have to stop mourning. The Beis was destroyed. So the Yehudai says to the Aravi, "How do you know?" I know because your animal groaned, and I know that the animal groaning, ay k'rachts from the animal, means it is for the Churban of the Beis Hamikdash. While they were involved with one another. Ga'azimda Hariti it groans again. Amalo, at which point, second groaning. <coughs> so this Aravi says to the Yehudoi, Asar Turach, harness it up again, Asar Padnach, harness up the plow again, the Issialid the Yehudoi, Because the Savior of the Jews was just born. So go back, savior of the Jews was born, saddle up you're good to go, go back to work. Amr what's the name of this uh, savior of the Jews? This Moshiach, Amr what's his father's name? Amr Amr Charyan, where do they live? So he told them, he told them where they live. And the medrash continues. It's a very strange medrash, it's a very odd medrash. Uh, somehow this, uh Arab was able to discern from the noises of the animal in the first case the Beis is destroyed in the second case the Beis Hamikdash uh, will ultimately or at least the Mashiach is being born so at some point there's going to be a, a rebuilding but here again <clears throat> I have, uh, I, have uh, I have my question and my question is so what if the savior of the Jews is born now so what but don't you have to mourn? Now the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. You still have to mourn. So you're telling me Mashiach was born, <clears throat> and there is a Chazal, Yom Nechra Beis that Hamashiach. Very nice, very nice. It is very nice. We'll come back to this. But meanwhile, the Beis Hamikdash is destroyed. What do you mean? Go back and saddle up again and go back to work. When the base of English will be rebuilt, then you'll go back to work. Meanwhile, you have to destroy, you have to mourn. And now, my third question at the bottom of page uh, two. <clears throat> my third question is from a Gemara Masachus Yuma. The Gemara says in Yuma, "Amarei Shlakish." It's uh, right at the uh, the beginning of that uh, Gemara on the bottom of page two. That when the uh, Gentiles came and the Romans came to destroy the Besamekdash, they saw the kruvim that were intertwined with one another. And uh, the Gemara here is following a previous Gemara, and, uh, Ahmed Aleph, where the Gemara talks about the fact that during the time of the second Besamekdash, the kruvim were on the wall. They were not the kinds of Kruvin that existed on top of the aron during the time of the and that the Kruvim were intertwined with one another. The very, very first few words on this, Ahmed, And look at Rashi. It's like a husband and a wife that they're hugging one another. And that's what the Nachram saw, continues the Gemara, when the Nachrim came to destroy the Beis They made their way into the Heichel, and they see the Kruvim, that they're hugging one another. They're embracing one another as a wife and a husband embrace one another. So what was their reaction? They brought them out of and they said, what kind of Jews are these? Right? The Jews are supposed to have a good reputation that they're, uh, they're, uh, that whoever they bless is blessed. Whoever they the opposite of bless is the opposite of blessed. Yasku bidvarim halalu. They, 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 what, they're, they're, they're idol worshipers and their idols are hugging one another it's a physical manifestation of, of, of some kind of an entity I mean this is what the Jews do they know no better than we are what, what, what's, what's going on here they, they, it's, it's, it's not appropriate they, they, they immediately begin to make fun of them they, they uh, debase them they don't respect them. Out come the Gemara. So the Gemara tells us about an episode that happened when the Nachram came into the Eichel and they saw the Kruvim hugging one another. So, Mephoshim ask, many Mephoshim ask, from page three, from the Gemara in Masachas Bavavasra, a steer in the Gemara, between the Gemara in Yuma and the Gemara in Bavavasra. The Gemara in Bavavasra talks about the Kruvim, and wants to know what direction did the Kruvim face? What was the structure, the format of the Kruvim in the Beis HaMikdash? So the Gemara wants to know, ketzad Hein Omdim. ketzad Hein Omdim. It's a little, it's almost halfway down the wide lines on Tzad Dei Tesa and Bova Basra. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Lazar, two answers. Charamer Amar P'neim Isha Lachiv V'chad Amar P'neim Labayis. they two different Sukim. Two different sukim. one says they're facing one another, and one says they're facing inside. They're side by side, next to one another, but not facing one another, but they're facing inside. How does that work? The one who says that they faced one another, what, what did they do with the other Pasuk? And the one who said they faced inside, what did they do with the other Pasuk? Mokashya. Kam Kam You know what? It depends. You know what? They're both true. Both verses are correct. But each one is addressing a different circumstance. Look at Rashi. When they are doing God's will, when the Jewish people are following God's will. That's when they're looking at one another. When at one another. That when Jews are behaving, then the Kruvim are facing one another, they're connected to one another. It's like a man and a woman, it's like a husband and a wife. They're tied in, connected to one another. But if they're not osin, at the end of the Rashi, when they don't do God's will, then they disentangle, disengage, and they're next to one another, and they're both facing in the same direction, but they're not connected. So the Riva. Frekter Ritva, give you the Ritva as an example, but he's not the only one. Frekter what's, Ritva, uh, what's, what's going on here? Frekter Ritva, he quotes in the name of the Rimagash. Hiksha Rav Rimagash, I did not uh, copy this for you. The Hababasra what are you telling here? The Gemara says in Yuma, when then the Nachrim came in, they saw that the Kruvim were intertwined with one another. But what are you talking about? This is the time of the destruction of the temple. Why was the temple destroyed? Because the Jews were not behaving. Umipnei, what do we say in the Avani? Galinu golinu So the Jews are not behaving. So if the Jews are not behaving, how could they be intertwined? The Gemara says that the only time they're connected to intertwined, if it's Osiritzono. But now it's manifestly obvious that it's not Osiritzono. So if it's not Osiritzono, we're talking to Chorban now. So how can you say that they're intertwined with one another? Yikshar HaRav Rima quoted in the Ritva on Yuma. But here they're not doing Ritzona and Shalmakam. If they're not doing Ritva and Shalmakam, what's going on? The Marsha asks the question, the Ritva asks the question. Anybody who's anybody asks this question, how could it be? How could it be? So we have now three questions. Question number one is, how could it be that Rabbi Akiva was mesachek when the Beis HaMikdash was being destroyed? How could he see something positive about a destroyed Beis HaMikdash? Second question, how could this Arab tell the Jew, you know what, I just heard that the, Beis- that the uh, Mashiach was born, you're good to go. So what if the Mashiach is born? I mean, that's a very nice thing, but the Beis HaMikdash is still destroyed. How could Rabbi Akiva laugh? The Beis HaMegdash is still destroyed. Good, you'll tell me that someday Zechariah will be fulfilled, but the Beis HaMikdash is still destroyed. How can the Arab tell him to go back to work? The Medrash doesn't uh, uh, reject this position. Tell the story of Migeid What are you talking about? How can you go back to work? The Beis HaMikdash is destroyed. And how could the Kruvin be Ma'urim? The Gemara and Yuma, that they saw the and were intertwined with one another if the Gemara above the Basra says that that only happens. This this idea, this concept, this notion, this question has been um, weighing down heavily on me in the last year plus. Uh, because I'm trying to figure out a way, and this is the, the title, uh, the title of the talk is to try to rest W.R. EST, some kind of a a blessing, some kind of a bracha, uh, some kind of a something from the adversity that we have been experiencing. And I'm asking myself, and I still ask myself, uh, what am I supposed to take away? What am I supposed to take away from what happened? And people talk about, uh, you know, we're, we're beginning to crawl out of it, and hopefully we are, and it's spiking, and Okay, but uh, there have been uh, many deaths, and there have been losses, and that doesn't go away. That we're not crawling out from. Now, what am I supposed to? What am I supposed to take away? And uh, I, uh, I have no idea really. But I've been uh, struck by the fact that this is really the issue that I'm raising in the context of the Beis Hamikdash. What? What? What, what am I? What lesson? am I to learn from the Chorben, what positive something can I extract from the Chorben? What blessing, what positive attitude can I possibly extract from the Chorben? Why is it the Rabbi Akiva's Mishachik? Why is it that the Aravi said that, you know what, it's okay, it's okay, Mashiach was born, it's okay. And, and why is it that the Kruvim even though it's Enos and ritzal and all of these three have in common that there's something Something that I could take away from this horrific event called the destruction of the temple, that I could take with me, that it's not totally devastating, that there's licked epis here, something optimistic, something something positive. And so I want to extract from the answers that I hope to uh, provide to these questions to see if any of it might be relevant to us, I'm not sure they are, and I'm not sure exactly how they are. But I want to rest a blessing, or at least a something, a, a future, an optimism, an epis, from the adversity that we have been experiencing, conceptually parallel to resting a blessing, w r e s t i n g a blessing from the, from the tragedy of the Churban English So in my learning up to Tisha B'Av, I came across a, a wonderful safer uh, by uh, Rav Bergman. It's called Aribim ben Ravari Bergman is a prominent member of the Five Towns community. He uh, teaches at YU. Published a two-volume safer. As soon as I heard it about it, I ordered it and uh, came shortly before uh, Shavuot HaTamaz. I went straight to the back of Chedlik Bez. And uh, he has a really a very interesting essay that uh, addresses the first two of these questions. And he brought me to a maharal that I was not, uh, I was not aware of. So if you turn to page four, the maharal in Yisrael Paret says something extremely profound. I, I'm not sure I understand it. That's why I, I uh, copied it for you. I mean, I probably would have copied it anyway, even if I did understand it, but I don't understand it. He says something very profound. Um, but but herein lies herein lies a beginning of a, of a way out to try to understand uh, these uh, questions. He says as follows: top right page four the absence of something he the negation of something is the cause of the existence of something. And he continues to say, that ultimately creation is only possible when there is an absolute negation that precedes the creation. That if something is there, and just hear, hear me out. I'm saying words. I'm not really understanding this, but, but I'm trying to. That if there's something there, you can't really fully create something because something already was there before. The only way to fully create something is if nothing is there before. So if there's nothing there before, then what you create is a full throated, full fledged creation. Because otherwise, absent full negation, you're not fully creating, you're just adding onto something that already existed before. One is negation, one is creation. The only way, said Rabbi Akiva, that the creation of a Bessamikdush could happen is if there is absolute negation, if the Shualim are walking on the Hara in the Kaddish Kaddosh. He continues to say, the Maharal, that of course the, the nivu of Zachariah would have been fulfilled. Would have been fulfilled, he's a Navi. That was my other question but maybe there would have been a few Yiddalach, oh, Yeshua, Zakenim, Zakenos, Beruchovus, Yerushalayim, suddenly so would have had a million and a half of Zakenim and Zakanos, a poor Availa Zisa who are living in some old age home, and they're, they're walking around and they say, yeah, it's great, okay, Buh. done, check, check, the prophecy of Zachariah has been fulfilled. But, says Rabbi Akiva, now that it's total negation, Oh my God, Ungestopt it's going to be in Jerusalem. Wow, there's going to be throngs, throngs of people are going to be in Jerusalem Because creation is fully only possible when absolute negation happens. And so that's why I says the Ma'aral, Rabbi Akiva was Messiah. Of course he had to. Of course he had to uh, mourn for the destruction of the Temple There's no question he had to mourn. No question he was mourning. Earlier, two lines earlier, Karu, big day, and he also tore his clothes. He tore Kriya when he was on Harat Sofit. But he saw something positive in this destruction. The destruction was not utter, full, and totally negative. There was something good. You see, from this, from this destruction, oh, is going to come something positive. And the Maharal goes even so far as to say that it's not just that the destruction is a hachana, prepares, prepares for the the redemption, but the destruction is the beginning of the redemption. The redemption begins, and here again I'm saying words, hard for me to understand this, that the destruction is already part of the redemption. Because I would have imagined that Something is destroyed. It's totally destroyed. Okay, good. That's done. Now I could turn from utter negation, utter destruction, and now I go to the next step, and now I can have meaningful havaya, meaningful creation. But he goes even further. And he says that the destruction, full destruction, is already a chelek of the redemption, And that's why Rabbi Akiva was Mosachik. So of course... Of course he mourned, of course he mourned, but he mourned he mourned because, it's obvious, but at the same time he was Mesachite because he wrested, W-R-E-S-T, he wrested a blessing from this horrific event. He saw something positive, and in fact he goes so far as to say that the positive could not happen without the destruction. The positive could not happen without the destruction. Only now can we have a full geula. And only now the Nevoah of Zechariah will be a full Nevoah, teeming, teeming people in Jerusalem. And maybe I would suggest, maybe that's why it's Akiva Chantanu. Akiva Chantanu, they responded to him and they said, you you." Comforted us. You comforted us now, and you comforted us in the future. Number one, you comforted us for the future. You know what? It's terrible what we're seeing, but someday the Beis HaMikdush is going to be rebuilt. You reminded us that someday the Beis HaMikdush is going to be rebuilt. That's an achamah. But it's not just you reminded us that in the future, someday, but you told us that already now, in the very, in the very destruction, there's already something positive that's also akiva nihantanu that it's nihantanu not just down the road but nihantanu we're feeling the akiva nihantanu even now because now we feel a sense that this is not all negative that there is something also positive that could be happening here that could be happening here as well i don't know how to apply this to the current situation i don't know i'm trying to figure that out Second question. The Aravi told uh, the Jew that the, uh, you know what, I heard the the, the second groan that Mashiach is born so you can go back to work. So here again, I would want to say something similar and this is the top left of page four. This is um, also the Maharal. You'll see the Maharal also addresses this question and he essentially gives the same answer. And he says that until... Uh, until um, until the absolute destruction, there could not be, until the absolute destruction, there could not be any hope. So what is the hope? The hope is, of course you have to mourn. Of course you have to mourn. But there's something positive about the destruction. It's a similar answer, says the Maharal. The similar answer being, That the destruction is not fully, totally, wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y negative. But the Mashiach is already born. There's going to be a redemption. So I don't know how he explains, you know, saddle up and go back to work. But what I think he means is that there's something positive here. You don't have to mourn at the level at which you mourned until now. You don't have to mourn at that level. You can uh, mute somehow, um, mitigate the mourning, mitigate the mourning because, because there's going to be a redemption. There's going to be a redemption. And, and the redemption is possible because of the destruction. So there is this symbiotic relationship. I don't know exactly how to call it. There is this connection. One, one, one relates to the other. That's the Navua of Uriah and the Navua. Of, of Zechariah And um, this notion about uh, Mashiach being born on Tishabav actually has uh, halachic implications. If you look in the bottom half of, of page four, so uh, we all know this I've spoken about in the past, uh, that in the afternoon of Tishabav, I've written about this, I've spoken probably more than once over the years on Tishabav, that uh, things get easier on the afternoon of Tishabav. And the uh, Chidah. 18th century, Reb Yosef, Dover HaZoloi, in the Birke Yosef, Minaga Olam Lomar, Psoke Nechama Ba we say Nachem Ba Erev, we don't say Nachem a whole day, if it's a Bracham, Hama ora, so we say Ritzei all the time, and we say Yala all the time, so we should say Nachem all the time, but we don't, we only say it at Mincha. The reason why we say it at Mincha is because there's a medrash, I've quoted this in the past, that God vented his anger on the Beis HaMikdash and God uh, did not uh, destroy human beings and because he vented the vented the anger on the Beis HaMikdash. So therefore, he uh, uh, was a good sign when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. But then he says, where it's underlined, he says a Tam Acher. And the Tam Acher is Ki nolad that this is when Mashiach was born, and since this is when Mashiach was born, so therefore um, we can say Nachem. So even on Tishabav, there's Nachem even, even, even on Tishabav. I've spoken in the past about Tishabav is called a Moed. And what does it mean that Tishabav is called a Moed? So I want to highlight now that there is a Moed in the sense of something positive, in the sense of something optimistic. That it's not, it's not, um, it's not total, total uh, terrible and it's not total negative. I want to conclude with Reb Chaim. I want to go to uh, to page five. Reb Chaim Shulevitz is, uh, addresses the last question. Um, the question is, uh, what do we do with the Stira and the Gemaras? One Gemara says that um, the the Beis Hamikdash. Uh, when, the base, when the Jews are following the will of God, then um, everything is fine. When the Jews are following the will of God, then uh, the Kruvim are hugging one another. And uh, when they don't, they're not hugging one another. The question is how could they be hugging one another here if they're not following God's will? Rab here also says something extremely. Powerful, And again, I'd, I'm going to say words. I don't understand it. I wish I was on a Madriga to be able to understand what he says and to fully, really uh, integrate what it is that he says. He talks about the fact that one simultaneously experiences destruction and redemption and experiences them at the same time. Uh, I gave you the whole shtickle here from the Sichas Musr that he gave in uh, 1973. But I'll just read a couple of lines. I'm now in the middle of the second paragraph. Precisely at the moment when God uh, judges his uh, creatures. And his midas adin, the judgment, is being expressed in the world. It's particularly at that precise instant. He expresses his love for us. Don't think that God is punishing us and rejecting us. But at the moment that he's punishing us and rejecting us, he's also showing love to us. Third line, next paragraph. Even though they really don't deserve it, but Dafka at that moment, God wants to express to them a particular closeness. Specifically, at that moment, they were tied in with one. And I think the takeaway, as I want to conclude, I think the takeaway for the Beis HaMikdash, and for me, the takeaway in the current situation in which we're immersed, is to somehow come to a place where we recognize and feel the embrace of of HaKadosh Baruch, feel the Korov of HaKadosh Baruch, feel the closeness of of Akadish Baruch It doesn't make it easier, it doesn't take it away. doesn't take it away. But it makes it easier maybe to deal with. I pointed out in the past in a different context, the chuva tfilo tzdaka, we say on the Yaman Rai, Ma virin es roa, You notice it doesn't say Agzera Ho It doesn't say we get rid of the evil decree. The evil decree is not gotten rid of. But if we do chuva and we have tfila and we do tzdaka, then it's ma virin What's the next word? Roa. the bitterness, the harshness is somehow mitigated. If we can connect to God, we feel the presence of God. Then it makes it easier. We're not alone. The worst thing is to be alone. And if we feel the presence of God, we're not alone. And we feel the presence of God even in the destruction. Rabbi Akiva was mesachek because he felt the presence of God even in the shuolam. The Aravi told the Jew, go back to work because Mashiach is born. So we are to feel, we are to feel Mashiach even in the destruction. And the Kurufim are Mu'urin Zebazah, even at the time of the destruction because of Korov. Yesterday uh, afternoon I was reading a, uh, a transcript of a talk. This is in conclusion Lakaya Mash and Torah I was reading a a transcript of a lecture delivered in University of Chicago by Alexander Altman. He's a very, very famous uh, scholar in the last uh, century. I had the privilege of studying with him when I was in graduate school. He was a professor at Brandeis. So in 1961, he came to University of Chicago to deliver a lecture. This uh, uh, lecture of his was transcribed and edited with footnotes by Professor Kenneth Hart Green, teaches at the University of Toronto. And uh, I'm reading this uh, yesterday, and I come across a a quote. He quotes in the middle of this uh, um, talk that's uh, printed in the current issue of the Journal of Religion. He has a quote from the Austrian poet and novelist Rilke, Rainier Maria Rilke, very prominent uh, poet and and, uh, novelist. And I want to conclude with this quote. Rilke, who's not Jewish, writes a letter to a Jewess, and he writes as follows. And and as I was reading it yesterday, and it's Erev Tisha this meant something to me. (coughs) He writes as follows. You belong to a people, he writes to this Jewish woman. The Gentile understood this. You belong to a people that has no need to go out in order to find God. You have, as it were, God in your blood. You have inherited your God. He is always with you. And you have to find him in the deep layers of your soul. So this is my takeaway. Karav Hashem l'chol korav. Hashem is close to us. We believe that. We believe even in the worst times. Karav Hashem l'chol That the kruvim ha'ma bishas b'sha'a z'chor The Rabbi Akiva that the Mashiach is born, Mashiach is born now, today, this afternoon, like right now is his birthday. We say Nachi. That's our Avoda. We have God. We have to go find him in the deep layers of our souls. And I think if we find him, that'll be amazing, but at least if we start searching seriously for him, we'll be able to get through will be easier. The roa haqzer will be mitigated. And we hope that we have the true nechama, that we have the true nechama for us as individuals who have suffered personal losses, the Nahama of the world, suffered massive millions of people, the Nahama of the Jewish people, and the Nahamas tzion v. the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdosh. I wish you well.